Welcome to another edition of the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Drew, recording from the beautiful Flathead Valley. It's Friday, February 18th. Residents of the Flathead Valley have been treated to a decade of live New Wave 80s cover music performed on the regular by the band New Wave Time Trippers. Earlier this month, the Time Trippers played their last public show in Whitefish, as part of the festivities for this year's Winter Carnival Parade, which was an aptly-themed 80s affair. The now former singer of the Time Trippers, Nick Spear, took some time out of his week to join me on the podcast and reminisce about the early days of the band, how they managed to stay relevant for so long, and what helped them bring excitement and energy to each show they've played since 2013. Before we get to that interview, however, a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, they get some extra perks too. To find out more or join today, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. My name is Nick Spear, and I was, wow, was <laughs> the lead singer for New Wave Time Trippers, which is a band here in Flathead Valley. How does it feel to say that? Good, you know? I think we uh, <clears throat> we did a good job with it, and it feels good to hang it up, and like we went out definitely at the top of our game, so it feels good. Well, it's good. Well, I want to take it back to the uh, early days, first of all. Talk to me a little bit about the the very first days. I think it was was it you and Matthew were kind of initially playing with the idea before everything got going. Yeah, uh, Matthew and I had talked just in passing. Didn't really know each other very well. I thought it would be fun to do a new wave '80s cover band because no one was really playing that stuff in the area. You know, people were playing '80s rock, but not really touching the land of David Bowie or the cure. And I guess no, we weren't really super hip to doing exclusively new wave, but we wanted to definitely do what was, I guess, alternative eighties rock of course, okay. alternative came to mean nothing, but um, yeah, we just uh, wanted to do that. And then we ended up doing one open mic with, with our friend Colette. Um, it was great. And uh, she got too busy. But yeah, we did one open mic at uh, Craggy Range with, uh, an, I think, the drum track I made on a computer with I forget what computer program. And I, I think I'm pretty much I fired it uh, live from an iPod. So that should put it in perspective of how long ago this was. Oh, man. <laughs> what is an iPod? <laughs> Those were definitely the days. Yeah. Well, when everything first kind of came together, do you have pretty clear memories of, of first practices and, and your guys' first gig as a, as a full band? I, I do. Uh, when at first, when we were kind of figuring out, should we just do it with the drum machine like Sisters of Mercy did and just be totally like that? And then we thought, no, it'd be nice to have a real drummer. And we played around with a, a few different people and it, it, was, it was all good. Nothing just 
really stuck. And then when we met um, Don and uh, Marco at the open mic at Crush, and they seemed like they would be into it, we had one practice. And that first practice, Matt and I looked at each other like, okay, yeah, definitely. This is awesome. Just felt good. And it was easy. And yeah, we had our first practice. Our first practice was, I think, right around Thanksgiving of 2012. And our first gig was at Crush above what the Toggery, what's now a chiropractic office, um, on February 15th, 2013. And I think we played for maybe an hour. I don't think it was that. I think it was like we played for like maybe 50 minutes. And I remember like barely being able to speak the next day because it just felt like so much. And then, you know, fast forward to doing, you know, multiple nights in a row for three and a half hours. <laughs> it's amazing. Bootstraps, you know, it's a real thing. You think you can't do this thing and then you do the thing you think you can't do and then suddenly you're doing it. It's weird. In in those early days, did you guys have have an idea or a vision of, of what it would become? No, we know we wanted to wear really bad, <laughs> super tacky, white Miami Vice, Don Johnson-esque matching outfits. Of course. We just wanted to, yeah, we wanted to have fun with it. And, and Megan, who ran Crush, was pretty pretty key in that whole aesthetic. She was like, you guys, you got to do that. You got to do like Miami Vice. And we're like, yeah, but we want to be like New Wave. She's like, oh my God, did you ever hear the soundtrack to Miami Vice? They had like the coolest music on that show. And we're like, oh, okay. And I had forgotten because I was not really a fan of the whole Crockett and Tubbs <laughs> Miami Vice thing. I was like, I don't never watch, never watch the show. So how would I know they dropped a Pesh mode on it? You know, every other episode, but, um, I don't know that we knew what it would become. I mean, I have a theater background, so I knew it would be fun to incorporate those elements of, you know, not necessarily set dialogue, but set little sight gags and gimmicks and maybe just video content that could, Keep it fun, you know, just for us and for the audience. And uh, I don't, I don't know that we really had an idea of what it was going to become. But pretty early on, we thought, wait a minute, could we? What if we showed the original MTV videos while we're playing it? And they're like, yeah, but then we're not going to be with the song. And then Marco was like, we could be with the song. We just have to figure out how to put it on a click. And then we did. And I think the first time we ever ran the click track. Um, in Marco's monitors and showed the videos on TV screens. I, I want to say it was at Casey's right after they did the rebuild, right after they tore it down, down and rebuilt it. And I want to say it was there and it, it was really Bush league and it, it worked. I mean, it, I mean, even right up to the end, there were, there were, there's always duct tape and chewing gum behind the scenes, you know, holding stuff together as yeah. far as, you know, if we get off the click a little bit, eh, it's not going to be. Although anytime we really got off the click, that was pretty much Marco's just decision. Like, I want to push the tempo and move this crowd, and we're getting off the click and, and stay with me because <laughs> he's pretty he's pretty adept at staying on it when he wants to. But but you know, it was fun playing it fast and loose and just feeling out the crowd. And sometimes you just stop the stupid video and play you know a drama rama song because you feel like doing it. You know. Well, I mean, a decade is a long time for, for any group to stick together. What is it that kept you guys going for so long and kept the, you know, the excitement and, and everything there? I think we always were just wanting to 
can continue to get better. Just personally, we always wanted to kind of up the game towards um, the last few years that we were together. No one really saw it in clubs, but when we would be hired for private events and, you know, weddings, uh, corporate events and stuff, and we brought our own lights, mm-hmm. the light show was actually perfectly synced to everything. So, I mean, every beat was like completely fired at the right time. And I think originally we did have visions of uh, maybe doing some kind of monthly gig in Las Vegas or something like that, uh, which doesn't work in the year 2022. It's pretty much all DJs. That's all they do down there. Um, and we didn't really want to play next to slot machines. You know, we wanted to, to hold down a club, but you know, that's not the world we're in and that's, that's cool. But we, um, definitely always wanted to up the game technologically as far as like syncing the video, syncing the lights. I think the long game, had we um, decided to keep going with the project, we would have probably figured out a way to have keyboards and guitar rigs connected so that our pilot computer actually switched the patches for us so we never had to hit foot pedals. That's probably where we were headed, had we not decided just to like, you know, call it and then do separate things. But we were always on a mission to make it better, you know, even though pretty much it, it was a lot of the people who came to see us, anyone can tell you it was a lot of the same songs in the same order for a very specific reason, because, you know, I, I had to warm up my voice in a very specific order <laughs> to sing for that long. Um, and to move the videos around in the timeline of, of the computer program we were using was kind of nightmarish. So to go out of order, we could, but we kind of had to scroll through it, find the video, and that would eat up time on stage when people are like, play us all. What about a couple big highlights that stand out from, from the last couple of years? It was really fun playing the Wilma in Missoula for a, a food bank benefit. That was really fun. Um, getting to play Red Deer, Alberta, and the fiasco of trying to get through the border when you're a band is never easy. Um, just because, you know, they say, oh, you got band equipment. You play in a band? Uh, get out of the car. And of course, they're looking for one the tiniest marijuana seed they could possibly ever find to just let you not into go into Canada. So <laughs> they figure musician dirt bag, <laughs> get out of the car. <laughs> but we, uh, it was fun going up there. Um, standout moments, you know, honestly, I, I mean, I can't speak for the rest of the guys, but I think personally it's my best standout moments for me were in Whitefish, playing playing in the Valley and Brannigan's, you know, Kalispell for the Valley. You know, it just felt really good looking out there, seeing people we know that would come again and again and loved, I don't know why, loved hearing the same songs again. But I mean, we never got sick of playing the songs. I think, it, you know, you do get sick of of having to schedule your life around one thing for that long but as far as actually showing up and playing we we still love it so yeah i think just i think standout moments just just playing for our our friends playing for our friends and our our fellow community members was just pretty much awesome 
You mentioned wanting to go out on a, on a pretty strong note, and, and I know you guys did that with your last uh, public show up in Whitefish. When did those discussions start of like, hey, maybe it's time to, to move on to our own things? Um, I think they started with Matthew, our bass player, um, who's an exceptional, I don't even know, I don't want to call him a barista, because that's not what he is. He's just like... He's a, a coffee Jedi, and knowing that he was going to start roasting coffee and really build his business, and, and he was looking at his schedule and thinking, you know what, guys, I'm not, I'm signing on for this huge new thing, and there's no way I can be going to bed at three in the morning and then waking up at five. Yeah. You know, to, to do this, it's just not going to be sustainable. So he, he let us know, this is probably going to be my last year with the Trippers. And we were like, all right. And then there was talk amongst us to like, well, do we want to find another bass player? Or do we want to move Don, who's a fantastic musician? And among the many things he does, he can play bass. To, to move him to bass and then get a keyboard player. What will we do? And then the more we thought about it, the more we were like, you know, this is the band. It was these these guys right here. So let's just do that. Let's just call it, you know? I think a lot of us had original intentions of maybe moving it out of the valley and doing more events. And you know what? It could still possibly happen. I mean, listen, if somebody... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, come on. If Google calls and says, hey, we're going to give you $30,000, we'll be like, all right, we're getting up, kids. We're going to practice and do this gig. But, you know, as far as just playing the clubs and... I mean, for anybody who's been in a band, in a bar, you know it's just, it is brutally hard to mm. do. Vocally, physically, the fact that it's that late at night. Yeah, so I, I think Matt was the original, maybe, seed that kind of led to, let's call it. But honestly, I think it was in the back of a lot of our minds of like, how long are we really going to do this? <laughs> You know, have we taken this as far as we can take it? No. Are we willing to put the effort in to take it to the next level? Maybe, but for the same audiences that have already seen the show, you got to, you know, as to quote another great Valley musician, Todd Coward, um, the juice has to be worth the squeeze, which I got from him. And that's a great great mantra and i think at the end of the day to really up the game to the point of like the best possibly technologically the show could be it would to do it and stay in the valley would be kind of like well the juice wouldn't be worth the squeeze because everyone's already seen the show why do they want to see it with like a lights now you know what i mean i think everything has a natural evolution everything has a lifespan a shelf life. And I think, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that we felt the band was past its expiration date at all. I just felt like everyone like went, you know what? Let's, yeah, let's just hang it up, move on, do something else. I don't know what. There it is. Well, last thing I, I want to ask about after the, the last show, what was, what was the vibe like with the band members? What did you guys do? afterwards to celebrate we just hung out and yeah gave each other 
a hug and high fives and we just it was just general super good vibes yeah we're brothers and we'll we always will be after being you know in a band for that long and going through all that crazy <laughs> the crazy gigs and crazy places um there is something just absolutely incongruously hilarious about being a new wave 80s band like a new wave cover band in montana <laughs> it's like it's sort of like being a I mean, it's, I, I, I'm trying to think of an opposite analog. I guess it would be like being like a shit kicking country band in Manhattan. <laughs> it just, just like, you heard a great new wave eighties band where Montana? No. So that naturally led to really just oddly funny situations where we're, you know, out on a high line playing a wedding. For people who probably never even heard of half the artists recovering, you know, because it's not Garth or Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's I'm super tangential. But the the vibe was good. The vibe still is good amongst us. And we're all uh, super supportive of each other on our the next phase of our creative journeys. So and we're super thankful to the Flathead for coming out and having fun with us for so long. And go see live music because there are some amazing bands out there. 20 Grand, Comatose Posse, Chain Reaction, there's just Jameis and the Sword of Seeds, Mike Murray. There's like so many, so many bands out there. Minx who opened for us uh, on our closing show. So um, get out there. There's still great live music and there's great original music happening too, which we did not do. I'm sure everyone's uh, sad to see you go, but uh, we'll be excited for anything that comes down the line. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. A big thanks to Nick for joining the podcast today. And you can read all about the New Wave Time Trippers in this week's edition of the Flathead Beacon in the cover story written by my colleague Mike Cordenbrock called A New Wave Goodbye. Now, here are some of the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m. on Thursday, February 17th. An investigation recently made public by the Federal Department of the Interior details how former U.S. Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke misused his position to advance a development project in Whitefish and lied to an agency ethics official about his involvement. The investigation by the department's inspector general found that Zinke continued to work through his Great Northern Veterans Peace Park Foundation on a commercial project in Whitefish that included a potential microbrewery, even after committing to break ties with the foundation after assuming his office in Washington. His campaign has since blasted the report as a political hit job and in a statement said that the involvement of the Zinke family with the foundation led to the restoration of railroad land into a park where children can sled. Elsewhere, the unmatched summer strain overwhelming gateway communities like those outside Glacier National Park is the focal point of legislation introduced earlier this month by U.S. Senator Steve Daines, who crafted the bill to assist land managers and local stakeholders develop long-term solutions to a problem that's been brewing for more than a decade but was accelerated by the coronavirus pandemic. Introduced by Daines, who serves as the ranking GOP member on the Senate's National Park Subcommittee and Angus King of Maine, the subcommittee's chair, 
The Gateway Community and Recreation Enhancement Act is designed to both study and address challenges facing national parks and public lands, as well as the local communities that serve them. Dane said that these challenges include increased visitation, employee housing shortages, and the growing demands on municipal infrastructure. The bipartisan bill is also aimed at helping to boost visitation at lesser-known parks, national forests, and recreation areas in order to disperse the crowds converging on the nation's most popular parks, which include Glacier and Yellowstone. The bill would instruct the Secretaries of Interior and Agriculture to establish a visitation pilot program within two years by selecting 15 units managed by the National Park Service and five managed by the U.S. Forest Service to participate in the program. Within five years, the participation is supposed to expand to include 80 federal units, at least 50 of which are managed by the National Park Service. In Kalispell, the Hilton Garden Inn was purchased earlier this month by Michigan-based Viridia Group, and the new owners have announced that they will soon begin top-to-bottom renovations on the 144-room hotel. Viridia Group owns six hotels in Michigan and one each in Bozeman and Helena, and the group CEO, Robert Mahaney, said he's long had his eye on the Kalispell property, believing that the local market fits with the company's business model. This summer, the hotel will undergo an $8 million renovation that will include new furnishings in all rooms, renovations if public areas and meeting rooms, and an update to the 700-person capacity conference center. There are also plans to reopen the bar, restaurant, and casino. And finally, last weekend at the All-State Wrestling Tournament at Billings' Metro Park, the Flathead Brawlers successfully defended both the boys' and girls' team titles. Each team had a single individual winner, Hanaya Halverson for the girls and Finn Nadu for the boys. The girls' title is historic as the sport has only been sanctioned in Montana for two years and the Brawlers are now undisputed champions. The boys' title is the 11th in program history. Other notable wrestling winners from the Valley included Justin Windauer from Columbia Falls, who won the Class A title at 138 pounds, and Glacier's Tegan Vasquez, who won his third straight championship. That's all I've got for you today. As always, you can stay up to date on all of the latest local news happening online at flatheadbeacon.com. This episode, which is obviously released on a Friday, was hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Micah Drew, and I hope everyone is okay with the shifting production schedule. If not, let me know. Music in this episode includes songs by local Flathead Valley artist Mike Murray. That's the show for this week. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend.